Family, welcome to the concluding message in the series, Post-Pandemic Living. I want to thank you for tracking with me through these many messages. We re we're really looking at what life is like on the other side of the pandemic and what are the criteria? I just chose three of them that's going to help us to maximize the life or the world that is shaping up to come to pass. Now listen, we spoke last week about the importance of fuel or passion. The week before, we've, we, we targeted focus and the importance of avoiding the distractions. And today, I want to talk about faith, that criteria that we need in every era. The Bible teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. It also goes on to teach us that without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. For he that comes to God must first believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So listen, before we get started, I want you to head right now to your notes, pick up your notes, follow the link in the description box, and let's chime into the word of God together. And listen, I want you to share these messages, all three of them, share them with as many people as you like, as you desire, because I believe that people need to hear the word of God. Can I do a quick recap? Beginning with the first message, which was really targeting focus, the importance of having a sharp lens, seeing the future, stepping toward the future and enduring to the end of whatever future you see. And to do that well, there are three things that we must pay attention to. Number one, the distractions of life. And that comes by understanding that your time is a gift from God. And that time that God has allocated to you that you call your life, that space between the time that you're born and the time that you die, that is a gift from God. And that time must not be wasted. In fact, it shouldn't even be spent. It should be invested and it should be maximized. To do that well, you have to establish certain boundaries in your life. They begin with urgencies. You've got to know what demands your time. If there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heavens, your time cannot be wasted with things that are not urgent or not priorities for you. So know what demands your time. Emergencies. What demands your focus? What things should you be focused on? Your attention. Because whatever has your attention has your focus. And these are things you have to do prayerfully by the leading of God's Spirit. No one can set your urgencies or your emergencies for you. You have to do those things yourself. And then those there are those little foxes that run around in your relational fields trying to destroy or nibble away at your productivity. You have to know how to catch those little foxes. But watch this. Don't spend all of your time chasing foxes. Don't spend all of your energies putting out little fires. Know what the distractions are. Number two, what are the detours in your life? I want you to be clear now, whereas the distractions come to destroy your vines or your productivity, the detours come to move you around and around in circles because it's aimed at exhaustion. You find yourself exhausted, but you've accomplished very little. You're going hard, laboring, but you've accomplished very little because you're going around in circles. How do you avoid that? Clarity is one. Continuity is another one. And completion. Clarity means you must know your path. You must know what God has set before you to do. In other words, abide in your calling or your lane. You can't do that unless you're spending time talking to the one in relationship with the one 
who has set your race before you. But you must be clear and avoid going in circles. God has never set a circular race for us. It is a linear path that goes brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. Glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength. He has laid that path before us. And then in terms of continuity, you have to know your pace. And this comes with being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He is the one. He is the pacemaker of your life. Know your pace. Know the things that slow you down. These are called procrastination imps, the things that will slow you down, get you off pace. But also know the things that speed you up, cause you to run fast unduly. These are called your anxiety triggers. That's, that's what Jesus talks about when he says, be anxious for nothing. Sufficient is the evil of the day. So you, got to, you have to know what are the things that speed you up. And then you have to be looking out for the opportunities or the door openings. The reason why you must never go too slow, the opportunities will leave you behind. Don't go too fast. You will outrun the opportunities, but make sure that you are on pace. Know your race, fix your pace, and finally complete your course. Know when you're done. And I'm not talking about death. I think far too many Christians believe that death is the agenda, is the end of the assignment. No, know when the assignment is finished and God is now using you in a different season to pour, to mentor, and to leave legacies. That's when you become an emeritus. Now your position, you are Elisha, Elijah rather, finally teaching your Elisha. And before you go, you've got to know when you are completed. And then lastly, I think it's very, very important that you also recognize that there are dangers, that there are many voices. Not every voice is your counselor. There are vices. Not every craving lifts you up. So you've got to know which ones are lusts, which ones you can leverage. The ones that lift you up, they're leverage. The ones that throw you down, those appetites that throw you down, they're quite likely lusts. And whatever you do, when you get what you desire, make sure that it lifts you up and it doesn't cast you down. And finally, under focus, I want you to pay attention to the vehicles that you're using to get to your destination. There is a way that seems right unto a person, but the end thereof is death. Make sure that you're on the right bus, going in the right direction. God has set before us life and death, but he asks us to choose life. Last week, we talked about fuel, that thing that refills our tank. We talked about the importance of passion. What's in your heart? What's in your head? What's bothering you? What's driving you? Those are the things that produce your passion. That's your fuel. What fulfills or satisfies your hunger? Those are your passions. Once you find those things, those passions, which are the energy of the heart, then put your hands in and become progressive. That's the energy of the hands. Commit to something. Stay the course. Do what you're passionate about. Do what you're committed about, what you're sacrificial about, what you are willing to give your life for and be committed to commitment. And finally, when you do all of that, I want you to remember that God has promised us power because we cannot do this thing by ourselves or in our own strength. But remember the promise of power. Acts chapter one, verse eight, put it on the fridge. You shall receive power after the spirit of God has come upon your life. And remember that. Release your power, your strength, surrender to him and let God do his work through you. And finally, relax a little bit and let God work out his will through your life. Well, today, I want to conclude by talking about faith. 
It is another gift of God. And I believe that faith is a gift that God gives to us. It is the ability to see the future, the ability to hope for the future, to believe for the future, and then the enabling to take the right steps that are necessary to get us to the future. That is faith. That's why the Bible says now faith is the substance of things that we're hoping for. It is concretized truth in my spirit. It's the evidence, it's proof of the things that we have not yet seen with the natural eye. And that's what faith really is. But to talk about faith, there are three things I need to talk about. Number one, critically important, I need to talk about fear, the antithesis to faith. I wanna talk about what fear does and that fear is not a gift that God has given to us. Then I wanna talk about friends. This is the role that people play on our faith journey. I'm gonna show you three kinds of friends that I desire that you have in your life, and I'm praying that I have them in my life. And then finally, we're gonna end by talking about how the favor of God, when added to your faith, will allow you to do the impossible. But let's begin by talking about fear. I think this is important because I'm calling fear the enemy of faith. Now listen, there is healthy fear and there is unhealthy fear. Healthy fear is what I'm calling a necessary nervousness. You know, you're gonna do something, you're gonna do a recital, you're gonna speak, you're gonna present something, and there are butterflies in your stomach. Well, that's healthy fear. That's the necessary nervousness that keeps you sharp. But there is an unhealthy fear. This one is not from God. Rather than keeping you sharp, this one keeps you stagnant. It's the kind of fear that paralyzes you. And that's what the Bible teaches that God has not. And let's be clear, God has not given to us the spirit of fear. Notice, fear is a spirit. And if it's a spirit, it has come, because it has not come from God, it has come from the pit of hell. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So it is not a gift that we're going to receive. In fact, we rebuke the spirit of fear from our lives. The reason why we must not entertain this kind of fear, it's simple. Fear that comes from the enemy, that comes from hell, is paralytic. It will paralyze us. And rather than being sharp and moving progressively in our purpose, it will leave us stagnant and what I'm calling frozen. You see, what faith does, faith concretizes the future in your spirit and it brings it to life inside of your spirit before you actually step into it physically. So that means when you're walking by faith, something is alive in your spirit. I like to call it a pregnancy. You are pregnant with possibilities. You believe that something on the inside in a few moments or a few days or a few weeks, a few years, it's going to manifest on the outside. In other words, you're going to conceive and give birth. But what fear does is it freezes that truth and it aborts that truth in your spirit. So rather than believing that those things are going to happen, all of a sudden you're stagnant, and what you saw, you no longer believe in. What you're hoping for, you stop hoping for. Fear is paralytic, and God has not given us the spirit of fear. In fact, fear is one of the chief weapons of the enemy. He uses that to destroy believers, to let them feel that what God has promised is not going to happen, that what God has spoken will not materialize, but listen to the word of God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a shadow, it's not a reality. It's a shadow because you're walking in abundant life, but the enemy is trying to cast that so that you might be fearful. Listen to what the writer says. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. God's given me a rod and a staff. Therefore, I wanna make this bold, 
proclamation. And you can join me in the chat as we move into a post-pandemic world. No fear. In fact, I want you to write that in the chat. No fear. Every single person that can, if you want to put it in the comment section, if you're watching this at another time, I want us to fill those sections with these words. No fear. We're going to enter this new reality fearlessly in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against us in a post-pandemic reality will ever prosper. Every tongue that rises and tries to speak against us, God has already condemned because the Father has not given to us the spirit of fear. What has He given to us? Power, love, and a sound mind. I've got it together. I'm walking in love. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm walking in dynamic, energetic, authoritative power. That's what God has given to me. Therefore, I believe that greater is the one that's in me than the one trying to cast fear on the outside. So let's be clear now. Fear is the antithesis of faith. If you got faith, it's going to push over fear and cause you to step into the promises of God. But now that you've mastered or you're mastering, and I believe it's a daily reality, you are mastering the spirit of fear. I want to talk about the friends in your life. This is the role that people play in your life. This is important. Now watch. Fear is the enemy of faith. But friends should be the enablers of your faith. The people around you, they should enable what you see in your spirit. They should enable what you are believing God for. They should enable what you are hoping for. In other words, you and your colleagues, your companions, you're walking together into your future. There are three types of friends that I believe that we need in our lives. And I want to be clear, I'm praying that everyone will have these types of people in your, in your life. You need clairvoyance, you need confidants, and you need comrades. Let me talk about each of them. A clairvoyant is someone that sees. In other words, you need people that dream along with you. You need dreamers in your life. And I've discovered that if you hang around dreamers, dreams are contagious. You see, dreamers are people that see while you're seeing. There are people that hope while you're hoping. There are people that believe while you're believing. And using the biblical principle, as you're walking with dreamers, guess what? The iron of their dreams sharpens the iron of your dreams. That's why the Bible teaches that iron sharpens iron. And a man's countenance, it actually lifts the countenance of his friend. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you're walking with clairvoyance. These are people that are always talking about their future and sharing their future with you as you're sharing your future with them. Now watch this. Number two, you need confidants in your life. These are people that agree with you. I'm not talking about sycophants. No, I'm not talking about those people. But I'm talking about yes men and women in the right way. What do I mean by that? The Bible teaches us that two cannot walk together except they agree. Guess what? A yes man and a yes woman, not a sycophant, but a yes man and a yes woman says, when you say this is my dream, they say, I agree yes to that. When you say, this is what I'm believing for, they say amen to that. And together, guess what? In the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. You need people that are your confidants. They agree with you and you agree with them. And together, the both of you, remember, two are always better than one. The both of you are stepping 
into your future together. You need people that say amen every time you talk about the greatness of your future. They don't look funny. They don't twist their face, but they say yes to that. I believe God's going to do that for you. And you say, I believe God is going to do that for you. These are your confidants. But the last group that you need are your comrades. These are those who are fighting the same fight of faith. These are soldiers. You see, your confidants are your partners. Your clairvoyants are your dreamers. But your comrades are your soldiers. You need people like the men behind me. You need people that are fighting the same fight of faith that you are fighting. Remember, the Bible teaches us that we should fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to eternal life. Well, guess what? You need people that are familiar with the field people that are familiar with the fight, people that know something about the scarring that goes into achieving your future. So you need comrades. These are brothers and sisters in arms. They're fighting the good fight with you and they understand your scars. They understand the field. They understand the fight. And you likewise understand the field, the fight, and the scars. And together, your clairvoyance, your confidants, and your comrades Together, they enable your faith. This is the day that we need faith-filled people around us. We don't need skeptics. And you don't need people that are going to destroy and pull you down. You don't need any more critics. We have enough critics in this world. But you need people who are faith-filled around you that are going to pour into your life more faith, more hope, more possibility. You see, you need possibility thinkers walking with you. And the Bible teaches us, and I think it's a principle, he that walks with wise men or women shall also be wise. If you're going to walk with fools, you'll be a fool yourself. Well, if that is true, guess what? If you walk with faith-filled people, you're going to be filled with faith. If you walk with possibility thinkers, you're going to become a possibility thinker. I want you to take a moment right now and reflect on the people that are walking with you? Are they just hanging on to you? That's a leech. Are they running before you? That's someone that's an opportunist. But are they walking hand in hand with you? They're seeing what you see as you see what they see. They're saying yes to what you say yes to as you're saying yes to what they say yes to. And they are fighting the same fight with you. And they understand the journey with you. Those are your friends. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But listen, let's end this by talking about how the favor of God adds to your faith. This is important now because favor is actually the empowerment of faith. I want you to know that the Bible teaches something called the favor of God. It's something that we really can't put our finger on. It isn't as concrete as we think, but it's God somehow supernaturally putting His success on the things that we do. In fact, putting it on our lives. Now, can you imagine if you have faith, if you believe what has been concretized and brought to life in your spirit, that God would now put his favor or his success upon that. It's a guaranteed win. That's why the favor of God is something to be desired. It was that that was on Joseph's life. It was that that was on David's life. It was that that was on Jesus's life, the favor of God. Let me show you how it works. Number one, I want you to know that favor is the secret power behind faith. And where favor is, now the Bible can say it like this, the blessing of the Lord, Proverbs 10 and 22, it maketh rich. Why? 
because it's energized and empowered by the favor of God and it addeth no sorrow to it. So there is a secret hidden power that God wants to add to your faith and it's called his favor. But number two is important, watch. Favor, though it's a secret power, also has a timing attached to it. In other words, faith and favor align together to bring you into the perfect timing of God. You see, there's some things that God wants to give you, but he wants to give them to you at the right time when you are developed, when you're mature enough, when your character is what it should be, when your mind is where it needs to be. That's called the timing of God. And so the Bible teaches us now, watch, the set time to favor Zion has come. So watch this, favor has a time. That's why you don't have to be anxious for anything. Favor has a time attached to it. Faith has a time to attach to it. And when God puts his favor on your faith, it's just a matter of time before you see the manifestation of the blessing of God. But watch this. There's one more thing I want to tell you. Favor is actually a colored coat that opens up the world to you. What am I talking about? I'm really in the book of Genesis chapter 37, where Joseph, acting as a type of God the Father, or Jacob rather, acting as a type of God the Father, puts a coat of many colors, favor, upon his son Joseph. Because he knew that down the road, Joseph was going to go to the nations. In other words, the colored coat, it opens up the world to you. That's what God's favor does. Listen, two things I need you to know about favor. When that colored coat goes on your life, that favor comes upon your life. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I feel the Spirit of God like no other time. I want you to go to the chat, the comment section, and I want you to ask God, put favor on my life. Favor me in Jesus' name. Father, put favor on my life. It's the colored coat. Here's what it does. Number one, it opens up environments for you. It opens up worlds for you, worlds in which your faith has been designed to flourish. It opens doors for you. It brings you along with your gifts before great men and women. It puts you in rooms that otherwise you would not have been in before. It opens environments for you. It takes you before greatness. Now watch this. Not only does the coat open up environments, it also unleashes envies on this side. And here's where I need you to be wise because as doors are opening up, I want you to know that you've also got some detractors watching those doors. Remember when the coat went on, the brothers envied Joseph. So watch this, on one side, environments are opened up unto you. Another side, envies are being released. So I want you to be careful now, wear your coat, but if perchance they try to strip you of your coat, remember, it's God that gave you the coat. And if they take it, God can give you another one. I want you to know the lesson is quite simple. Watch this. God's favor, when he adds it to my faith, it makes everything possible. No wonder the Bible said, with God, all things are possible because God desires to add favor to our faith. Listen, we've got about seven minutes left. I want to go back up to the top because we're getting ready to emerge out of this pandemic into a new world, a new reality. And I want us to go there with focus, having the right fuel in our tanks and certainly walking by faith and not by sight. Let's review the faith quotient just for us, just for a moment. Let's remember what we said. Faith is, the fear rather, 
is the antithesis to faith. Remember, God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you find yourself being paralyzed, can't move into something, fearful of people, their faces, their expressions, what they're going to say, what they're going to do, remember, that spirit is not of God. And like Paul did when a viper jumped out in the book of Acts and clung to his arm, I want you to shake off that, that spirit of fear. And I want you to tell yourself that God has not given me the spirit of fear. What has he given to me? He's given me power, love, and a sound mind. And in that we will walk. Remember, don't be paralyzed. There's some things that want to come alive in your spirit. Some things that God is showing you and he desires you to walk in those things. And as you begin walking in that direction, even if you see shadows around you, fear no evil. God is with us. And if God be for us, the word is Emmanuel. God is with us. Who can be against us? Now remember this, as you're walking a fearless life, make sure that you're assessing your companions on the journey. You need friends. You need clairvoyance. Walk with dreamers. Don't apologize for your dreams. Walk with people who also are unapologetically dreamers themselves. Walk with people that see. Don't walk with the blind. Remember, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. Walk with people whose eyes are illuminated. They're seeing the spirit. They're talking lofty things. These are your clairvoyance. Walk with your confidants. These are your agreement partners that are saying yes to your faith. They're adding more fuel to your fire. They're adding more faith to your faith. And you're moving with them from faith to faith in the name of Jesus. And then walk with your soldiers in arms, your comrades who are fighting a similar fight for their dreams. They're wrestling and they're laying hold to eternal life. They know the journey. They know the field. They know the fight and they know the scars. They are familiar with the fight of faith. These are your friends. And then finally, ask God prayerfully to favor your life. Tell him that you can't do it in your own strength. Remember, we talked about power. We're not going to rely on our own strength because ultimately whatever we do, whatever we accomplish, he will get the glory through Jesus Christ. This thing really, brothers and sisters, beloved, this thing is really about giving all the glory to God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is really the essence of the gospel. This is really the essence of the Christian life, that whatever we do in word or in deed, we do all in the name of Jesus, giving glory to God and the Father through him. So remember this, we're gonna trust God and believe for his favor, that secret power that's behind our faith. We're gonna believe God for the timing. That's why it's important to wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He's gonna strengthen your heart because favor and faith have a clock set to them. And when the set notice, the set time, what that means is someone has set the time for the release of your blessing. Someone has set the time for the manifestation of what's in your spirit in the same way that a baby has a time attached to, to that baby, nine months, whatever it may be. There's a set time for the full manifestation of the blessing that you're carrying in your spirit. And finally, watch this. Here's the last thing. I want you to wear that colored coat that God has placed on your life. It's favor. The world is opening up to us. Environments are opening up to us. And into those doors, we're going to walk. Listen, God has given us the key of David through Jesus Christ. And what he opens, 
no man can shut. And what he shut, he shuts for our benefit. And no man can open that. And while doors are being opened, I want you to know that envy will arise in some. Don't worry about that. That's a natural reaction to the environments that are being opened. But be confident that God has given you a coat of, of many colors and the world is opening up to us. This is my series, Post-Pandemic Living. It's living by focus. It's living by fuel or passion. It's living according to faith. And whatever God has for us, as we open the doors again in time to come to our ministry locations, as we gather again, it's a different moment. It's a different season. We're gathering now with those who are faith-filled, dreamers all in our congregations, trusting God that our best days are now coming to manifestation. I declare that there is a glory that's covering the earth as waters cover the seas. I declare that the mountain of God's house is being exalted above the mountains and the lily hills. I declare that nations are now flowing up to the house of God. I declare that the mountains are now dripping with sweet wine. I declare that there is a glory that will exceed that of the glory of Moses and Solomon's house. This is the latter glory. And into that glory, you and I are stepping by faith. So let me encourage someone, whatever is going on, whatever you've endured during the pandemic, know that those days are coming to an end. That too has and it shall pass. Now we're stepping into marvelous light. I pronounce a blessing over your life, a blessing over your house. If you have children, a blessing upon your children, your seed shall be great and mighty in the earth. I bless all the works of your hands. You will have in abundance for the Lord has given us power to create wealth. And I decree that you're going to be a wealth creator in the name of Jesus Christ. So beloved, let's walk in the glory. Let's walk in the light as he is in the light and let's continue to have fellowship one with another. I always say this because I believe it and I think it should be contagious in the church. I'm celebrating your victories. I'm supporting you when you fail and I'm believing the best for your life because I love you in Jesus' name. I will see you next time.